There he is. Cool. Hey, guys, good morning. Ah, it's good to see all your faces. We're looking forward to spending time with you guys in worship and in the word. I'm going to tell you what we are attempting to do. Did anybody else walk around last night and be like, oh, my gosh, it feels so nice outside? Yes. I was like, oh, our three days of winter. <laughs> but um, I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. In case you didn't know, we start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship, and uh, we're getting to throw in some Christmas carols, so that's very exciting. After worship, Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to their Sunday school classes, and then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We're in the little town of Bethlehem, part two, our Advent series. And if you guys were here last week, you know we're talking about Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and how the, that story has a lot of parallels to the Christmas story. And it was really good, and I'm looking forward to you guys diving in. But before we begin any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, this morning we are so thankful to be able to enter into your throne room. To join with the angels in creation and celebrating your glory and your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Papa, we thank you for the ways that you've shown us that you are near to us this week. And we praise you because we know that you are faithful and you will do it again next week. Papa, we ask that you would help us to keep our hearts and our ears open as we study your word today. We want to know you better, God. So help us press in. Help our hearts to be soft, fertile places for your word, God. We love you so much. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Blessed Lord, you have caused all the holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Help us to hear, read, note, learn, and inwardly digest them so that encouraged and supported by your holy word, we may embrace and forever hold fast the joyful hope of eternal life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. 
So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship. And as Kimberly said, we got some Christmas songs on the way too, along with, uh, you know, I guess appropriate for Christmas time, but not really Christmas songs. So we're going to sing these together. The words will show up on the screen, so it'll be really easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit, stand if you're able. This is Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
blessed Trinity. Oh, the blessed Trinity.
we love you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. We worship you, Lord. We love being here in your presence. And Father, as we prepare to study your word, I'd ask that you'd anoint the words that are spoken, that are taught. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them. We love you, Lord, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, everyone. How are you? Cool. Well, today we are going to learn about how the prophet Jeremiah, how he encouraged God's people. This is what happened, right? The northern kingdom called Israel. So cool. I love that ring. The northern, right? The northern kingdom of Israel. They, uh, oh, nice. And that northern kingdom, right, had disobeyed the Lord, had turned its back from him, and they were destroyed. And now the southern kingdom called Judah, they were in trouble too. They did not want to obey the Lord, right? And they wanted to do only what they thought was right. And God did not want to destroy them, right? He didn't want to punish them. And he, cause, because he loved them, and he sent people and prophets just like Jeremiah to warn them, to tell them, stop doing wrong things, right? Turn back to God. Do you guys think they listened? No, they did not listen, right? So God sent a king from Babylon to take over Judah. And this king's name was Nebuchadnezzar, and he took the best and most smartest people strongest people from Judah and took them back to Babylon. Much later, he came back and took more people away. So the prophet Jeremiah wrote to God's people living in Babylon to encourage them. He wrote to them, while you are in Babylon, build cities, build houses, and live in them. Get married and have children, he told them. Plant gardens because the Lord says you will be there for 70 years and then he will be back, right? God promised them that he would bring them back to the land of Judah and God would keep his promise. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, he told them, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He told them, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Jeremiah knew that it was going to be hard for them to be there. So he shared with them what God was going to do. He said, God says, I will set you free. I will give you a new king, right? Do not be afraid or discouraged, right? I will save you and I will be with you. I will bring you back to your land and you will be my people and I will be your God. Isn't that wonderful? 
Yeah. Right? God never gave up on his people, and God never will give up on us. Right? He loves us so much. Jeremiah wrote to the people, right, to tell them that God would save them. And guess what, guys? Jesus will save us, right? And much later, God sent Jesus, set him up to be our new king, our forever king. Isn't that exciting? Yes, I know. And we wait for him to come back, right? I know, so exciting. Okay, so now we get to say the Bible verses together. Are you ready? Okay. Repeat after me. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. Excellent job, guys. For I know, for I know the plans I have for you. The plans I have for you. Declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans to prosper you. And not harm you. And not harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you hope. And a future. And a future. Excellent work, guys. The children are getting stickers. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And hang on, don't rush because we have a video to watch. We did our VBS Friday night. Thank you, volunteers. They had a great time, and uh, the kids had a blast, and thank you, church, for being so generous so we can do free events like this for the community, but we did want you to watch this video, so hang on. It takes about two minutes. Here we go.
right, Pastor Georgina is going to pray for you, and then you can head off to the children's church. All right, guys, we're going to pray and talk to the Lord. Okay, ready? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord God, for how much you love us, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you look after us, Lord God. I thank you that we can trust all your promises, Lord God. And I pray that the little ones would just know, Lord God, that you're always watching over them, Lord God, that you are everywhere they go. In Jesus' name, what do we say, guys? Amen. 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 Have fun. Behave. Listen to the people in the room. Thank you, Georgie. Thank you, church, again. Welcome, everybody, to the vineyard. But I did want to say thanks, uh, VBS. Thank you for making those things possible, guys. That's a generous church that's able to provide those things for the community. So thank you for all of that. And uh, watching all the kids go get settled. Very cool. Glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, that code that just popped up, if you point your smart device at it, you'll get a link to our digital connect card. Fill it out. If you would, name, phone number, email. Uh, We will send you then texts and emails for the next five or six weeks. Also, we have a gift for first-time guests back at guest services. If you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on your way out. And they, It's not a leg lamp, no. That would be fun gifts, wouldn't it? (laughs) Although we do have the Not little, you can see the leg lamp. I know, that's why I said that. <sighs> yes, ba-dum-boom. Um, two quick extra announcements in case, I know you were watching the announcements because you do that, but uh, there are a couple that I want to make sure. One, uh, on Sunday evenings we have a group that meets called Grief Share. Uh, Dr. Lily and Jack do that, and uh, that meets at six on Sunday. And Grief Share is a place to deal with loss. It's a support group for loss. Next Sunday, the 11th, they're doing a special one called Surviving the Holidays. So even if you don't come normally, you may want to go. And uh, it's just to help you deal with, because a lot of times during the holidays, the whole loss thing picks up at an old another level. So uh, it's a great group, Sunday, 6 o'clock. That one particular is on the 11th, although they meet every Sunday. All right? And uh, Doug mentioned this, the presence in paradise. So up to Thanksgiving, we do the Christmas shoebox. Those are for kids all over the world. And then we turn in and we go local. We work with a group, Peasants, Peasants, Peasants in Paradise. No. Presents. Last week, yesterday, it was Presidents in Paradise. Presidents in Paradise. We've worked, partnered with them for years. They know the kids in the local area. So... Um, we have index cards out on the table out there if you want to take one. And it would have the age and gender of a child. You can buy an appropriate gift. Bring it back unwrapped. We need those back next Sunday, latest. Another good thing to do, people ask, is gift cards work. Because we give the gift cards to presents in paradise, they use those gift cards to buy gifts for the children. All right? So they know what they need, and so it works out very well. So that's out there, and that is coming up for next week. Awesome. Yeah. Those are children that are... Yeah, they're just, you know, kids that need help. So that's what it's all about. We're going to continue on today in our series called Little Town of Bethlehem. And uh, we'll make some more connections for you there in a minute. Uh, before we get there, we should do the bad jokes. And they're quite bad. Um, but I, so one of these is like, if you're newer here, then maybe you haven't heard it. Years ago, I shared the, what I consider to be the best joke ever. And it's a Christmas joke. And, it, and we even made coffee cups over it and did it every year. So if you haven't heard it, you're going to hear it. But this, the best, absolutely the, the best joke there ever is. The more you think about it, the funnier it is. What did one snowman say to the other? 
do you smell carrots? It's the best joke. It's not the best Ever. Joke. It's just but, uh, and so And I've come up with a whole other round of snowman jokes, but I'm trying to branch out a little. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have a couple others sort of that I think work. What did one ornament mm-hmm. say to the other? I like hanging with you. See, that got more of a laugh than the carrot joke, because they've all heard it. Well, I know, but all it right. introduces these two. All right. There's a theme. Go ahead. What did one Christmas tree say to the other Christmas tree? He loves this one. Lighten up! <laughs> Lady. Lady. That's a really old reference. I okay. Know. Pray for us all and lead right. us in the reading of the word, please. I love Advent. It's like my favorite time of the year. I love the Easter story and Advent and... Um, Let's just pray and thank God for the season that we're in, and then we'll read the word together. Lord, we are so grateful to be able to gather together here as a family, Papa, and that we celebrate that the high king of heaven was born low (laughs) to save us. Let that resonate in our hearts and in our spirits today, that our humble king came to save us. Father, bless this day. Bless each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Old Testament book of Ruth. This is chapter 2, verses 10 and 12. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And haven't we all? Blessed be the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Okay, I needed to get that sip down and see what was happening, see where we were at with the notes. So uh, anyway, before we hop in, I'll tell you a quick little story, just so I can get it out of my head, and you guys will get to know (laughs) why I am like I am. So I live in a nice little community, venture out, yay, venture out, and and, uh, it's a nice place to walk and, and ride the bike, and I like to do that in the morning, and Generally, I, I get my day going well. I'm up very early and do all sorts of early stuff. But, but you know, 8 o'clock or so, I like to go down, have a little exercise time, and then I go for a walk, uh, and then I usually like to go for a bike ride. That's, you know, trying to keep what's happening here at least moving, okay? So uh, <laughs> I was on my walk uh, two days ago, and I, as I'm walking down, I see under one of the units, and all the units, most of the units are up high. This one was up, you know, a flight of stairs. And there at the bottom of the unit was a brand new stacked washer and dryer. Very nice. And the, the old units were already downstairs. And I don't know where they were. But I could tell that the two guys that were talking about, they were standing there talking about this unit, that they were trying to work out how they were going to get it upstairs. Because the steps have a bend, a 90 degree landing, right? Is that 90? Yeah. 
And, and you, I could just look and see it wasn't going to be interesting. So I, and I, I just, you know, walked on by and came back and I got on, came back to my house and got on my bike and started my bike ride. I hadn't thought that much about it, only having those thoughts. Well, that's going to be difficult. Well, as I'm driving by on my bike and I happen to go down that same street, I go past it. Now there's four guys there, which I thought was right for the job at hand. Uh, four guys, and the, the unit is halfway up the steps and kind of on that landing precariously. And the guys are sweating. And I drove by on my bicycle, and there's a turnaround at the end. And so here's what happens to me. So I'm driving back up, and, and some of you will get this and some of you won't. You'll have to ask somebody. But what I want to do, and I'm trying to justify if I can do it or not, is I want to drive by, I want to stop, and I want to go, Pivot! <laughs> Pivot! Pivot! You have no idea how badly I wanted to do that. If you don't get the reference, when you go home, get on the Google, friends, pivot. Funniest video that you'll ever see. Hilarious, right? It's got the deal with a couch. Some of you got the reference. You have no idea. I was wrestling with myself. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to, I'm thinking, maybe it would be like a little comic relief for these guys, because they're stressed. And, and I, I drove up and I decided, and you think, oh, he's a good neighbor, he's going to stop. Well, they have four dudes, they don't need my help, right? The last thing they need is a guy walking up there and saying, you know what I think you should do, that, that wouldn't work. And, and so I don't say pivot, and what I do is I drive by, and while I'm riding by, I, I, I pray for them. So I've made progress, because <laughs> after I wrestled through the whole pivot, the pivot thing was the first thing, the prayer thing sort of came later. Maybe you should pray for them. Oh, that's a win. <laughs> Anyway, <sighs> did we pray for our neighbors? Not yet. Good. Uh, not yet? I don't think we did. See, I'm off track. So, Lord, we pray for our neighbors. We don't want to forget that every day. Lord, and we lift up our neighbors right now. We ask that you'd move into their lives in mighty, mighty ways, that you'd draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. God, help us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, and hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now I need another sip of coffee. Pivot. So we are looking at um, the little town of Bethlehem is the name of the series. Um, we are actually, it's an Advent series, but we're hanging out in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Some of you might go, why? It's a Christmas story. So many amazing parallels between what's happening in the Christmas uh, story and what's happening back there in the book of Ruth. And uh, uh, last week I said, like, you know, the, the, it's no, no coincidence that these things happen in Bethlehem. Both of these stories take place in Bethlehem. Big tie-in into the lineage of Jesus and what's going on in this particular story, which is huge. We'll get more and more in that in the next couple of weeks, this week and next week. And that uh, we left it last week, and I said, you know, Ruth uh, is a story of a courageous young woman who makes a life-changing commitment to God, goes to Bethlehem, has a child that impacts the world. In the same way the Christmas story is about a courageous young woman who makes a life-changing commitment to God, goes to Bethlehem and has a child who definitely changes the world, and, and that they are in the fame, same family line. So these connections are running, and there's quite a few of them. And last week we ended up in verse in chapter 1, we went through chapter 1, and, and just a quick, quick review, because I, I don't want to do the whole chapter all over again. Um, but uh, in chapter 1 we met uh, Elimelech, 
who, uh, his name means my God is king. That's important. We met Naomi, his wife. Her name means pleasant. That's important. We met his two kids, uh, Melon and Kilion, which means sick and failing, which is also important and funny. And, uh, and then they go and they get married to two women. Now, the, the deal is, Elimelech, my God is king, instead of trusting God to provide for them in the house of bread, which is what Bethlehem means, decides to move his family to Moab, which historically has not provided bread for Israel. That's where he goes, and he gets there, and when he gets there, he dies. Bad decision on his part, okay? Dead. And then uh, the family is left there, the two sons, sick and failing, married two Moabite women, Ruth, whose name means companion, and uh, Orpah, who means back of the neck. And the sons, it says, are married in, in Moab to these Moabite women for 10 years, and they don't have any children. That's a big part of the story. There's nobody carrying on the family line. And both sons die. Sick and failing, both die. But you could see that coming, right? So everybody who was reading the story saw it come. Sick and failing. They're not going to be in this story very long. <laughs> like two verses. So they're gone. So... Naomi says, I gotta go back. I got nothing for me here. And the daughter-in-law's, um, one, you know, back of the neck does that. She goes back home. But Ruth says, makes his commitment. Listen, where you go, I will go. And the big part of her commitment, your God will be my God. That's what's gonna happen. I turn my back on false gods. I'm gonna follow after you. And they head back to Bethlehem. We see him heading back there. And, uh, when they get there, the people in the town recognize Naomi, and they go out, and Naomi, good to see you back. And she says, don't call me Naomi, because that means pleasant. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter. And and she, she blames God for what's happened. God's taken all this stuff away from me. I went with all kinds of things, which are not really true. Came back with nothing. She's got Ruth, though, which is so much better than nothing. She'll figure that out as she goes. But we saw at the end this little speck of hope, because last week we talked about hope. It's an Advent theme. This week we'll talk about joy, hope. And the hope was that the last verse says, but the barley harvest was about to begin. Bread was on the way. The living bread in our story was about to arrive on the scene. And that was going to change everything for them. And so that's sort of where we were when the story, uh, story ends up in chapter 1. And now we move into chapter 2. And I hope you had a chance to read it. If not, read it later. I'll read parts of it and uh, next week. Read chapter 3 to get ready, just so you can see how everything ties together. So we have that idea as we left. Hope is on the way. And uh, as I said, today we're going to see a little spark of joy in the middle of this story. But we'll get to that in a minute. First thing we have to talk about is gleaning, because that's what happens as we open chapter 2. And we need to discuss what gleaning is, because I'm guessing that most of you haven't gleaned for a while. And so you're like gleaned. And so what we need to talk about what gleaning is, we're introduced to this whole idea in uh, verse 3 of chapter 2. So she went out, Ruth, and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Limelech. Limelech, Limelech. Now, when you read the scripture... The as it turned out is hilarious. I hope you get Bible funny stuff. As it turned out. What a coincidence. As it turned out, she ends up exactly where she needed to be in this story. It's not coincidence. It's the providence of God. Much like the later on in Bethlehem at the Christmas story, the Magi, they end up in Bethlehem as well. They're led there at the place they need to be. It's the same kind of providence happening. And what happens is that uh, Ruth ends up in this field belonging to Boaz, who was a relative of 
Elimelech. That is going to be really significant next week. The idea that she, she runs into a family. His name means, Boaz, and just to get to know him, uh, like I said last week, he's a good dude. His name means in him is strength. And next week we'll talk more about this, but I just need to pop the idea out there. In Israel, uh, they had, God had set up a system uh, called the, about kinsmen redeemers. And what it was, because the family line was so important in Israel, everything went through the family line. Uh, that, that he made a way for that to be carried on if there was a situation like Naomi had, where suddenly she had no males to continue on the lineage, and it all went through the male side of the family. That's just how they had set it up. So the uh, kinsman redeemer situation was such that a relative could come in and could make things right. They could step in, and we'll look at, there's several ways that they did that next week, which are all important. But in, in this particular incident, what's going on here is that uh, what would happen is if a woman was widowed and had no children, the, uh, the husband's, the deceased husband's brother, if there was one, uh, would step in and would take her as a wife, even if he had one. And if they had a male child, uh, that child would be considered the deceased brother's child, so that the lineage can continue. That was how it looked like. It was a big deal, and we'll talk more about that next week. But remember, at the heart of this story, there's a lineage issue that we have to deal with. And so that's coming on, and the kinsman redeemer is going to be a big part next week uh, in our story. But let's go back to where we are now. So she's in this field, and she's gleaning. Uh, gleaning is something that God set up in order to provide for the poor and the needy and the foreigner. And uh, farmers were instructed to not harvest all the way out to the edges of their fields, but they were to leave some stuff behind in order that the poor and the needy could go through and get something for themselves. That was called gleaning. It's set up in Deuteronomy 24. When you're harvesting in your field, verse 19, and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. God is setting things up so that he can bless people, and he says, do that, and and you'll be blessed as well. It's, It's how I want you to live, and it's all very much love God all in, love your neighbor as yourself stuff, which is what is behind everything. And so Ruth goes out into this field and she's gleaning and Boaz walks up on the scene. And let me say, he's just a good dude. That's what I said last week. We're going to give him a different term here in a minute because that's kind of, it doesn't sound very churchy, but that's the heart of it, right? He's a good dude. And and so he comes up and into the scene and you can read all this in Matthew 2, or Ruth 2, I hope you do. He says, uh, uh, to the foreman of his crop, who's the girl? And he says, well, she's, uh, she's here, she's a foreigner, she's from Moab. And if you were reading, again, they didn't like the people from Moab, the people reading it, so that, ooh, that's not good. Uh, but she's from Moab. But he says, look, she's a hard worker and she's minding her own business and doing what she needs to do. And, uh, and Boaz says, look, uh, what I want you to do is you sort of keep an eye on her. And uh, if she gets thirsty or something, let her just drink from the water that we have for everybody else. She doesn't need to go and draw her own water. Uh, and, and, and so he sort of said, keep her away from the problems and the dangers. Uh, and so um, they do that. And then uh, he goes up to Ruth. 
And uh, he begins to encounter her. And he says, listen, uh, you stay here. Nobody's going to mess with you. And uh, I know you're a Moabite, but that doesn't matter. They'll leave you alone. You do what you need to do. You can drink water out of my pots, as I said, and all is well. well she doesn't know how to receive what's going on. She's really overwhelmed by it. And that's what's recorded in what Alice read to you in the, in the reading this morning. Uh, at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. It's like, good. Uh, exclamation. Lights out. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Now, this is so powerful for this reason. Sometimes you read that, and, and you may not take it in, that the word that's used for favor there in the Hebrew is the same word for grace, which I think we know better than favor. And, and the, the thing is, she's like, what? I can't, this grace is amazing. I don't deserve this. I'm a foreigner. How, I, I, what is going on? And I feel like for all of us, that's what the grace of God is like, right? It's completely undeserved and it's overwhelming when you're walking in the grace of God. And that's what's going on here. And he replies, he said, listen, I've, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. But make sure you get this. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. Beyond that, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Uh, she's made this life-changing commitment to God. She said to God, I'm all in. It's not about, it's not about Naomi. And he's, she's gone beyond that. She's pledged herself to God. We saw that last week. And, and as she's beginning to walk that out, you see her begin to change because she's, all this story is she's trying to take care of Naomi as well as herself. And she's just trying to do the right thing. And, and he's saying, look, may, Lord, may God reward you as you live rightly. Well, here's where the little joy sparks. I don't have the verses in there, so I've got to put my glasses on, sorry. Or I could just pretend read the scripture. So this happens, the encounter finishes, and then she goes back to gleaning, and then Boaz invites her over to his table for lunch. I need to include that too without reading all the verses. And it's a good lunch. They have, they have wine vinegar there to dip the bread in, which is like a delicacy. And uh, she's fed, and she's fed more than enough. So she actually gets some together to take home to uh, Naomi. Verse 17 is where I'm going to pick it up. So Ruth gleaned in the field. Now you know what gleaning is. Until evening. And then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted, it amounted to about an ephah. Now all of you are completely up to date with your Hebrew measurements, so I don't need to explain ephah. <laughs> They're like, uh-oh. Ephah, like 30 pounds of threshed barley is an ephah. 30 pounds, but think about 30 pounds, it's a, it's a big chunk of, she's, she's loaded up, all right? And so she carried it back to town, God bless her, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered, Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough for lunch. And her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. Verse 20 is where there's a spark of joy in Naomi. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our kinsmen redeemers. Uh, a lot of people read this and they wonder who she's talking about that he has not uh, stopped loving, uh, showing his kindness to the living and dead. And some people think it's, she's still talking about Boaz there, and she could be. 
I don't think so. I think in the context of the story, she's talking about God, and she's once again... Remember how mad she was at God at the end of chapter 1? She feels forsaken and forgotten. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Guess what? Now she's slowly, she's seeing God at work again because he's, God is behind the scenes setting things up. Not only have they been provided for, that's a lot of barley and food, but there, there's a situation in the works that may be possible for them to deal with the bigger problem, which is the lineage problem. So I love that. And you can, from here, you can really see Naomi change. Joy. Joy is very powerful. Joy isn't fake happiness. No, I always try and explain that at Christmas. You know, joy is, is not a whoo. I mean, it can be, but it's not all about that. Not fake joy. It's deep within. It's the realization of a, what it is to be a recipient of the amazing grace of God and that God's got you. And that even if circumstances are difficult, he's still got you. So, so we see a little spark of joy there, uh, which goes, you know, with, along with the hope from last week. Now, point two. Sorry, there's four points, but I'm, I'm cranking now. Boaz is a good dude, but this is how I should probably say it. Boaz is a righteous man. And what Boaz does in this story is he demonstrates kindness, offers protection, and provides provision to a young woman who's in great need. And that's a significant deal, all right? It's a big deal. Let me look at this. Verse 23 goes on. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So three weeks for barley harvest, four weeks for the wheat harvest, seven weeks. If she's continuing to go along at 30 pounds a day, their, their food problem is solved. The famine is over for them. They got enough food. They can sell things. They can do things. They're going to be okay. But the bigger problem is the lineage problem. We'll deal with that next week. But she's good, and she, is, she benefits greatly from the actions of a very good person, Boaz, who's living rightly in the eyes of the Lord. And, and that's part of this whole story, is that God uses righteous people to bless others, to impact other people's lives. But, but let me go, before we go any further, and say this, well, what is it? What is righteousness? Because a lot of times people think that righteousness is this whole rule-following thing. That's how you become righteous. You're just doing things right all the time. And listen, it's, it's not a, it's not an outward in thing. The, the righteousness that I think that God is talking about here is an inward out thing. It's about yielding the Holy Spirit and living your life trying to do the next right thing. It's, it's not being pretend and fake, you know, and like, oh, I've got it all together. It's just, you're, you're, you're leaning into the Lord and you, you want to follow after Him and you want to live a life that pleases and blesses Him. And, and so it's this idea of next right thing. We've talked about that and we'll mess up with that whole deal and we'll have to go to God and He's going to love us and He's going to empower us to do the next right thing, but it's, get that in your mind, it's about, it's more about living rightly, it's, uh, it's bearing the image of God well in the way that we're supposed to in this life, and none of us will do it perfectly, but that's what it looks like, and I love the picture of this in the Beatitudes of Righteousness, I think maybe this helps, so let's, re- uh, I'm going to read to you Matthew 5, 6 through 10, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the Bible, when you're reading uh, something like that, there's a literary thing going on here. It happens in lots of places. The Bible happens in other literature as well. But the, the literary tool being employed here is called a 
pericope or pericope or it's it's you it, that one of those pronunciations is correct not that important but what it means is and what you need to look for when you're reading the scripture is that if there's a, a verse that has something implied and then later on there's a, a similar verse what's in the middle is something that you should check out and that's what they mean. That's a writing style. And so in verse 6, it was about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And in verse 10, it was about being persecuted because of righteousness. And so what that means is that really the idea of right living can be found in verses 7, 8, and 9. And then let's go over them again. Um, I jumped. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Part of living rightly. It's not rule following. It's mercy. It's being letting mercy flow through you and and receiving mercy back. And we need lots of mercy. Along with that grace we talked about, heavy on the mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. People that are just really trying to press in and and live for Him, uh, and and in a very real way yielding the Holy Spirit. And and He's like leading and guiding and directing, and and that whole process is going on. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the children of God. Peacemaker, it, caring about other people, that the family of God, um, that God has put on our heart to care about other people and to move into their lives and to try and bless them ultimately by living rightly, doing the next right thing. So what's the tie-in with the Christmas story? Well, let's meet another guy. This is another good dude. His name is Joseph. And there are so many similarities, and, and make sure you catch that Joseph is in the lineage of the child that's born um, in our other story, all right? So they're going to have a child next chapter or the chapter after that, named Obed. And um, Obed is the father of Jesse, who's the father of King David. And then the line comes down, and you'll see that it, Joseph is in the lineage, as is Jesus. And, and in the same way that, that Ruth is a story about a righteous man who demonstrates kindness, offers protection, and provides provision for a young woman in a great time of need, so is our Christmas story. Because that's exactly what Joseph does, what Joseph does for Mary. He demonstrates kindness, offers protection, and provides provision to a young woman in a really great time of need. Because we looked at the story of what was going on and the situation. And, and so if we jump into Matthew 1 again and see what's happening, um, the first 17 verses are genealogy, which you should read, I know, but you'll see how it connects to the story that we're in in Ruth and, and the line that I just talked about. But let me pick up the story in verse 18. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he did not and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And with Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. 
Jesus, uh, Joseph demonstrates righteous living here, doing the next right thing, listening to the prompting of the Lord and the dream of the angel of the Lord. And um, even before then, you could see he was a good guy because trying to remain faithful to the law, and this was a problem that Mary, his betrothed, was pregnant and he knew it wasn't his. And he's trying to figure out how he can sort of do it quietly because he doesn't want to publicly humiliate her, which would be what most people would have done. And if you read the story, that would be a bad situation for her. She'd probably get stoned for that, right? I mean... You know what I mean. And, and, uh, and so he doesn't want any of that. He's trying to figure out what to do, and the Lord speaks to him, and he says, that's what I'm going to do. And he steps up, and he takes care of Mary. He provides for her, covers her, watches over her, protects her. The same thing that we see Boaz doing for Ruth in our other story. And so those two are connected. And the Christmas story, uh, you know, as we look at that, and we see this idea of righteousness going on, We're to live as righteous people. We're to live as people trying to do the next right thing so that we can make a difference in the world around us and impact people so they can come to know Jesus and experience this kind of joy for themselves. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Amen? Amen. Chapter 3 next week. More cool stories about kinsman redeemer. Ministry team, those here, why don't you head over to the wall? People over there here to pray for you. Let me say this, this incredible story, Jesus' story, he invites us into his story. And he's done everything that needed to happen for us to be a part of the story. He came, that's what the Christmas story is about. He lived the perfect sinless life. He goes to the cross on our behalf, and then we're getting to the Easter story. He defeats death and he rises again so that we can be reconciled to God. Our own, all we have to do is we have to believe in our heart. Confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's how we respond to the invitation. If you haven't done it before, do it. Do it now. Best decision you will ever make. It's Jesus. Will you be my Lord and my Savior? And that changes everything. Everything. Ministry team's on the way over to the wall. Amen. I've always loved the book of Ruth, but I love how you're doing the comparisons between Ruth and Matthew and Boaz and Joseph, and I'm looking forward to next week. Why don't you pray for us, for those that might need a little spark of joy in this season. Go ahead and pray for us, honey. Lord, we, uh, we would love for that in all of us, that little joy spark. Some people, this is a difficult time for. For some people, it's a great time. But Lord, uh, let that joy just sort of move through all of us, that, that it would be a shared joy, and that this joy would uh, lessen pain in people's lives. And God, that uh, you're so cool in your kingdom, the way that your economy works, that joy shared is twice the joy. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would multiply this Christmas joy through all of us and that we would live rightly in a way that impacts the world around us for you so that people could come to know you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. 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 Okay, let's do the... uh, this. Thank you. <laughs> the this. We got to do the this now. And the this is thank you guys for your generosity, your faithfulness to giving, offering, tithing. Bless you, bless you, bless you for all those things. Lots of ways to do that. Up there, let's sing doxology and then we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. If you need prayer for anything, the folks are over there. If you're heading out, those doors will be open for you. Head out that way. Have a great rest of the day. Get, catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching online. We love you guys. Ruth 3 next week. We're going we're gonna to compare Boaz and Jesus, which is really cool in the story, all about kinsman redeemer. So read chapter 3 and get ready for that. And uh, hope you have a very, very good week. Yes, have a great week, everybody. We miss you. Bye-bye. God bless you.